Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, it's National Signing Day. And just for full disclosure to our listeners, we are recording prior to everybody sending in their facts and making the announcement. So if there's any surprises that we're not talking about, that is why. Right, T. Frank? Yes, but the good thing is there shouldn't be any. Um, James Franklin, even even bad stuff. Uh, usually this stuff gets sorted out before National Signing Day, before whichever signing day it is. So 99% of everything is going to be read, you know, the same as what we're talking about it now. Obviously, there's a couple of things, but uh, for the most part, every everything is buttoned up by signing day. And any potential surprises will hit that during today's show. This is our signing day special show. No one better to talk to about the 2023 20, uh, recruits than Mr. T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, let's start right at the very top of the recruiting list. A year ago, the top of the list was the sexy positions, a five-star quarterback, perhaps the best running back in the country. This year, the top of the recruiting list are two offensive linemen, and Penn State fans may be the only fan base in the country who's excited because their two top (laughs) recruits are offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, I think Miami has something to say about that. They had a pretty good haul of offensive linemen, too. But yeah, Javen Williams, um, according to On3, is the sixth overall player in the nation. So Penn State, despite maybe where this class lands in terms of the player, the, the team rankings, if you might look at those, they still got some unbelievably talented players. Javen, Javen Williams is one of the best linemen that I've seen come to Penn State. Um, you know, and, th- and that's in my time looking at these things. Uh, as far as athleticism goes, um, the, the conversation is where these guys end up long term, right? So are they guards? Are they tackles? And uh, Jaden Williams is considered a guard by most places. But, you know, realistically, I think he can play tackle in college. And I'm leaving the door open for him to play tackle in the NFL uh, because he's that athletic. And, and I, I think that we we look at the stereotypes about positions. And I think that's where we need to start. You know, so I'm not disagreeing that he's an inside player. But I also have, he's just so athletic, Jim. He pulls and gets out into space so well. And I know that when people say pull, they think guard. But, you know, lots of schemes have have tackles pulling. Now, little raw as a pass protector. So that's going to be part of the conversation. He might start a guard. He might start a tackle. Uh, just kind of he hasn't had the exposure to pass sets and things like that. So a little clunky in that area. But um I, I said the same thing about Drew Shelton, and he was a better pass protector than a run blocker when he uh, when he saw the field this this fall. So with Phil Troutwine, I think the sky is the limit for Javen Williams, and and I wouldn't even say right behind him, right next to him is Alex Alex Birchmeyer, six uh, five, two eighty, has been one of the most technically pure players I've seen on film uh, in a while, and and so to have that compare you know that that kind of amalgamation of hyper talented athlete and then high floor high ceiling with Alex Birchmeyer because I think when you say high floor that's seen as a negative but it's not because he comes in and he you know what to expect from Alex Birchmeyer 
Uh, one of the reasons he's not bigger than 280 is because he's a wrestler. So he's got to stay under 285. Uh, so that's a choice. <laughs> uh, so Penn State getting two amazing football players on the offensive line uh, with Birchmeyer could be in the conversation to play early in his career, depending on how his nutrition goes and how his skills do translate to the next level. Because like having the basics down is great, but that's very different than being able to play. And I think that's important to know here. But these two guys are awesome, and I'm excited to watch them play football. And the other part to that playing early, of course, is opportunity. You had a situation right. with Drew Shelton this year with an injury at left tackle. He got the opportunity to play. So that that's always a big part of it, and you want to know, are these guys capable if, if called upon? One other offensive lineman, Anthony Donka, doesn't get nearly the ink as the other two. What can you tell us about him? Very athletic. So, again, kind of going back to uh, what Phil Troutwin's able to do with very athletic football players. He's a, a four-star, according to On3, but in the On3 consensus, a three-star. He's got a little bit longer to go, for, in my opinion, in terms of it's, it's not just the technique. It's a little bit of the instincts of football that he needs to work on as well. Uh, one of the things I find interesting is, uh, you know, when you commit or when you're a prospect, you can go to as many of these prospect camps as you want. And uh, getting to work with Phil Troutwine in the offseason for two offseasons, I think, is a, uh, is a huge benefit for some of these guys. And, and watching the improvement with Donko over time, um, I think that's a benefit. But I still, I, I've gotten into arguments with people that because he's 6'5 and he's got the prototypical length and, and uh, he is a tackle body, um, that he's a tackle, right? So Penn State desperately needs tackles. This guy's a tackle, play him a tackle. And my concern is that the, you know, like I said, the instincts and some of the, the he's got so much of a longer curve to learn to get there that, I, you know, playing on the interior where there's less stress might be the, the right way to go, especially when you got two hyper-talented players ahead of him. But, you know, he rounds out a very athletic trio, of high upside offensive linemen uh, giving Penn State a good core in this class. They aimed to get four and get another true tackle to make this a little bit of flexibility. They had one in the class at one point, um, and then he decommitted and went to Georgia. So, uh, you know, I it, having two guys that are basically five-star offensive linemen, and you still say, well, you could have gotten one more, I think that's a huge step forward for where Penn State is in terms of uh, recruiting the offensive line, but to get on that level that they want to be with Ohio state and Michigan and all the other schools, that's, that's kind of the next step. They lost Evan link to Michigan and an offensive tackle prospect. That was one of their top on the board. Um, so yeah, not a, not a home run, but maybe an in the park home run for Phil Troutwine. You need to work on your baseball analogies. I'll, inside the park home run, Works as well as a regular home grand, run. grand I slam. You were go, it's grand a triple. Slam. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a. Instead of a grand slam, it's an in the park home run single. That was ninety percent there. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work on the baseball analogies. I, you you kept using the term athletic when talking yeah. about these players. Um, is that just happen to be the case, or is that the kind of player Phil Troutwine is looking for? So this is an interesting situation that I, I think if <laughs> I, I don't know, because if you look at some of the other guys, uh, Malik McNeil uh, was not the most well-rounded athlete last class. Um, but this isn't changed. 
from anything. These are the players that uh, I think Matt Limegrover was trying to go after. These are the players that James Franklin and really just the standard of Penn State being a top 15 team. These are the players they're going after all the time. It's just they've been landing more of them. So athletic with power and strength, those are all things that uh, every every offensive line coach and every staff is targeting. Is just that they've been able to land them. Um, I will say when they don't get their top targets, the players I've seen them interested in more than some others are not the guys that have a frame to fill out. They are just big. Like that, you know, they have they've been going after some really big guys instead, you know, that are big, powerful, long players that maybe aren't my type of athlete. But if you coach them the techniques and fundamentals, they can improve to the point that they're a good pass protector, but maybe not an elite one. So it's it's not it's not about the top end guys. It's about what are you doing when you miss on those guys? And before I think Penn State was going after. Uh, a different body type and a different style than what they've been going after uh, with Phil Troutwine. When you look at offensive line, and I'm kind of stuck on the topic right now, uh, T. Frank, when you look around the Big Ten, obviously Ohio State, Michigan, they get the very top players. Some of the other places that we think of when we think about big, tough offensive lines, we think of teams like Iowa and Wisconsin who don't necessarily get the very top four and five star guys there. Is there a theme to what they look for when they bring in offensive linemen and get successful with them? So the first thing I want to say is that uh, in the on three consensus uh, team rankings, Michigan is 20th. Penn State is 13th. So they aren't getting uh, better offensive linemen uh, necessarily. They did get link in the situation, but Penn State overall has a better offensive line class according to the consensus of the industry of recruiting. And you can choose to whenever you want to, and it's convenient, throw out all all that information and say that people don't know anything anyway. Offensive line is very hard to project outside of the top, top guys because it is such a position based on physical development and technical development because there's so much nuance to the position. So, um, I think until recently, the the criticism might be that Penn State was not as good at developing as Michigan, and they weren't getting the high-level athletes as uh, as Ohio State. Now, what Michigan has been able to do in the transfer portal, bringing in some really good transfers along the offensive line, and their overall scheme, and their emphasis on that area, I think is a part of the story. They've been doing some NFL-level concepts as well. So, scheme development, the whole picture. One of the best things that that Jim Harbaugh has done is uh, he's gone to his brother, John, in the NFL and said, hey, can I get some good assistance for my staff? And they've been cross pollinating on their staffs and and bringing some of those uh, really smart schemes, offense and and defense down to the college level. Uh, And I'll go back to the game against uh, against Michigan this fall. Penn State wasn't beat up they were out schemed and out coached and then they were beat up. So that's kind of the advantage there. And that's all to say, I don't follow the recruiting of those other players closely enough to give you an objective answer about the recruiting part for Michigan and Ohio state. So I'll give you the on-field results of the players that they've recruited. Uh, Very good. Let's real quickly in the time we have left up, 
shift over to the linebackers. Two linebackers being brought in. Are we turning this into linebacker you? I'm sorry, tight end. Are we turning this into tight end you also here at Penn State? Uh, four tight ends in this class at one point have cycled through that uh, that that room. Matthias Barnwell is a, and this this conversation is going to go into the next segment because it's a super fascinating one. Let's start with the high end top line. Andrew Rappelier is awesome. And uh, I interviewed or we, we interviewed him this week over at Blue White Illustrated. And he is he is the the epitome of what you want in a tight end. Tough, confident and one of the best route runners all the comparisons are going to be to Pat Fryermuth because he he said I model my game after Pat Fryermuth. Uh, they both came from that uh, part of the country. All right, I made the mistake of starting up on a new topic too late in the segment. We'll pick up tight ends when we start quarter number two. Stay tuned. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package, including nonstop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available, too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It is quarter number two. Brought to you by 409TailgateClub.com. You know about the great sauces, the chicken rub. You know about the Bloody Mary mix. Now they're introducing their new coffee barbecue dry rubs. You got to try them. They are fantastic. It's a unique low-sodium blend. It features coffee from W.C. Clark's Roasters in the Cheese Shop in State College. I'll tell you what, if you now nah, might be a little bit too late for that Christmas gift, 
how about having it for your New Year's Eve or New Year's Day party? Use these rubs. You'll make some fantastic barbecue. If you want to check them out, go to 409tailgateclub.com. All right, T. Frank, I made the mistake of hitting you up about tight ends real late in segment number one. There's still more to talk about. You were talking about Andrew Rapalea. Really like him at tight end, but he's not even the only tight end coming into this class. Yeah, I want to finish up on him quickly because there's there's more to say. I, I just want to emphasize, I think he can be a part of the conversation next year. Um, and, and that is because he's one of the more mature players. So he was originally a 2022 commit, but with COVID and some things, he reclassified to 2023. And uh, because of that, he's a more mature player, but he's going to come in at the right size with a, I just cannot tell you how good his route running is and his run blocking from a high school perspective is phenomenal. So the transition for him to, to playing, I think, you know, maybe not exactly Pat Frymuth in terms of coming in and being a guy that caught, I think nine touchdowns this freshman season, but he's going to be a part of the conversation. He's going to be a part of uh, the ability to play early. Um, I, quietly one of the better players in this class. Uh, then we go to the fact, like, let's just take the story that he almost didn't commit to Penn State. He committed to Michigan because Penn State already had three tight ends in the room. Matthias Barnwell um, and Joey Schlaffer were the other two. Schlaffer is uh, the, I think, half-brother or stepbrother of Michael Mennon. I apologize. I don't know the exact relationship there, but very, you know, very close family relationship with Penn State. 6'5", 215, a traditional inline Y tight end um, with, with a great frame to grow. I think, a, you know, some good... When I look at a guy that tall and, and, and I want to know, okay, here are the problems that a guy like that typically has. He has good pad level. Um, he's able to get down into a three-point stance. He doesn't look stiff. He doesn't look, on a, he doesn't look like he's struggling to change directions and was a very good receiver for Exeter Township. Played a little bit at traditional tight end over his course of his time there. But um, so you've got two high level prospects. Schlaffer take a little bit more time to develop two four star players. And then Matthias Barnwell might have the highest ceiling of anyone in this class as far as his athletic talent. Six foot six, 250 ish pounds. The only question is, what is he? Because every single time I look at him, he is a different body type. Um I think, and this is this is after he committed to Penn State, I think, as a freshman and then decommitted and then recommitted to the class. So I've been watching him since his ninth grade year. And I saw when he was playing tight end, I saw, oh, wow, that's going to be a great tackle someday. Because as a ninth grader, he was like 6'4", 220. Um, just like huge kid. He um, got bigger, <laughs> but he didn't necessarily fill out. And I get the sense that he wants to be a skill position. He'd love to be a tight end. But he's going to be uh, maybe a defensive lineman in this class, maybe a defensive tackle. But is he going to allow his genetics to take over? Can they take over? And can he be a big athlete? Because if he can, he can solve one of two problems for Penn State. He can be a great tackle prospect um, with unbelievable athleticism and feet and size and, uh, you know, just everything you're looking for and then develop all those other skills. Or he can be that six foot six, 310 pound defensive tackle that Penn State's been looking for for years that they haven't been able to land. 
But if he lands as kind of a tweener, 6'6", 265, 275, inside-outside player, I think he'll be helpful. I think he'll be a good player. But my assessment of him the whole time has been, you know, don't fight it. Defensive tackles make a lot of money in the NFL. And you don't have to be a defensive end to be the star. Where where he lands is going to determine a large section of this conversation about the, the you know the the line on either side. Oh, and I forgot they also had uh, another guy uh, committed to the class. Um, what was his name? Oh, that's that's embarrassing. But anyway, he decommitted, which caused the problem with Andrew Rappelier, where he originally committed to Michigan because there was no room. That guy uh, moved over. Neo Avery moved over to defensive end to make room for Rappelier, and then he decommitted. So Penn State at one point had four four-star tight ends in this class. A, a huge win for Ty Howell. And if they, uh, we saw this year that they can play multiple tight ends, which yeah. would make it attractive for the tight end recruits. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Let's talk linebacker. Great success last year at linebacker, a position we were concerned about going into the season. They got Tony Rojas, Kavion Keys, and I'm assuming Tamir Robinson. He's listed as edge. Is he edge player or linebacker? No, he's not. Okay, so this is this is the most frustrating thing in the world. Tamir is is a linebacker. Now, could he eventually grow into a defensive end? Sure, but we had said the exact same thing about Abdul Carter, and you had people yelling at each other that he was an edge. No, he's a linebacker. No, he's an edge. It's like, he's 6'4 and can run. Why are we fighting about this? Um, but he played, all of these guys played defensive end in high school. Tony Rojas and KV Keys both currently played defensive end in their senior seasons. Tamir Robinson started as an edge defender and then moved to safety and then moved to linebacker. The reality is because he tore his ACL and he's been recovering from that knee injury and he didn't play a senior season, we don't know necessarily where he is on the development curve. So to call him a defensive end to me is outdated information because he moved positions in high school to be that Mike linebacker. And that's where he played his best football. He was figuring it out. He was doing a very good job of um, becoming an inside guy and understanding leverage and not overrunning plays. And then he got hurt. So, um, you know, depending on what service you're looking at, he's he's listed as an edge defender. Um, I would encourage you to check out ours because, you know, I, I believe our guys have a better feel for things than uh, than the other guys. Now, when you look at this group, you do have, I think it's pretty clear that at, let me, let me pull up uh, Tamir's size. 6'3", 225 is what he's listed at right now. That That's a Mike linebacker body type. But then you've got two guys that are basically the same player. Tony Rojas is 6'2", 190. And then you've got uh, Kavion Keys, who just committed, that's 6'2", 190. Both played defensive end. Both have a similar skill set. So who's the Sam and who's the Will? And I think it just is going to depend on how they develop, which guy fills out faster and which guy, you know, kind of brings the beef to to the position. Um, But looking at them, I think Tony Rojas has a little bit thicker of a frame, but I think he has a little bit longer to go because of that to become like a linebacker body type. But the point is they have a lot of speed at the linebacker position and they've got four or three four star linebackers. So, yes, they got a a very good haul in this class. And it makes me wonder what's happening with that Sam linebacker position, because 
you know, is it going to be a safety body type or this season watching Curtis Jacobs move over there because of Abdul Carter? Is this a, a shift once again in Manny Diaz is, uh, you know, playing the best player available, but I'm fascinated to see how that develops over time and, and specifically with these guys. I just get the impression if you're big, strong, fast, athletic, Manny Diaz is going to get you on the field and he's going to figure out how to best use you. But the number one thing, the number one thing is speed. You're absolutely right. But the number one thing, these guys have to be athletic and fly around because they're the erasers up front. And when you saw Abdul Carter come back in and, you know, uh, step into that role at will, it changed the it changed the defense. It unlocked everything he wanted from this group. So improving speed at the mic over time is the goal, but not at the expense of everything else. And I think these guys are the next iteration of what this defense will be, even if both Keys and Rojas play will, and they still play somebody else at, you know, one of the safeties at Sam, they're going to have speed at that position one way or another. Speaking of safeties, let's take a look at them. There were four commitments, T. Frank. As of this recording, Conrad Hussey from Florida was still flirting with some of those Florida schools. We don't know where that will end up. So the question only is, will they end up with three safeties or will they end up with four safeties? But another big haul at that position. Yeah, and it kind of goes to the conversation about now you've got you've got three safeties and three linebackers. You have a good problem of you've got a lot of different pieces you can put on the field. My favorite of this group is King Mac. Maybe 5'10", 175 pounds. Reminds me a little bit of Tyron Matthew in terms of ball skills, undersized, and he's a hitter. So I'm very excited to see what he can do in this in this group. I think he can play any three of the positions. I wouldn't mind putting him at that Sam position at, you know, the end of his career when he's 190 pounds, I think he hits above his weight. So slot corner, uh, he could play, maybe he could even play on the boundary if they needed him to. I don't know. I just, I believe in King Mac. I think he's an awesome football player. And then the other guy that I really, really, really like is Dakari Nelson. Another guy that I got a chance to talk to on my show, 6'3", 195. He told me he run he ran a four four seven before his senior season. So coming into college, he's a sub four five safety at six three one hundred and ninety four pounds. That is the sort of player that completes your defense wherever. Like if he if he grows into a linebacker, which is entirely possible, then oh my goodness, the ability for him to to create a multifaceted problem for the offense is exponential because it's a guy that played corner in in high school and I thought played corner pretty damn well. You know, he's able to stay in phase with receivers. He's still, even in his senior season, he was the team's eraser where if they had a good receiver, he'd go cover that guy. So versatile, big, athletic. Um, I'm excited to see where he grows into. And then you have Hussey, who is more of a true free safety in this situation of these three, six foot, 185, really good speed. Um, but, I, you know, of the three, I, you know, it's he's three, but it's they're all very good. You know what I'm trying to say? But if, if Pense loses Conrad Hussey after we've recorded, I just want fans to know that the guys that I think they couldn't lose were Nelson and Mac. And Nelson was taking visits to other schools, but was, you know, he said on the show the other day, 
he's locked into signing with Penn State. There's nothing that's going to change there. So Penn State, even if they bring in the two, the two they're bringing in, I think, are special. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number two. Quarter four, we'll come back to this class. But quarter number three, we're going to ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package, including nonstop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel, Rose Bowl parade tickets, and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available, too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. Quarter number three means it's time to take your questions and we're going to ask T. Frank. The way this works is you need to download our app. Just go to Keystone Sports. You'll see the app. Download it. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. Send in your question. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question. And this week's best question winner will get the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. We mentioned them earlier. They've introduced their new coffee barbecue rubs. It's a fantastic prize pack. They have multiple flavors. Trust me, I tried them out. They're fantastic. And that goes to the winning question. All right, T. Frank, my I'm going to ask the first question. I'm Great. watching you on the video. You were looking at your cup as if there was something crawling around inside it. What was going on there? Uh, so I, I, I am a creature of habit. So I use the same you know, water bottle every day. And I was just determining if it needed to be cleaned because I don't clean it every day. So it's like, is there a lot of uh, particulates in there? Like, 
I'm just trying to assess. I'm coming off a really bad cold and like not, trying not to expose myself to too many uh, bacteria in foreign bodies. So, yeah, I was wondering if there was something crawling around in it just because it's been a while since <laughs> I cleaned it. The look on your face was fantastic. All right, let's get started. Our good friend Steve in Potomac, Maryland says, what changes, if any, do you anticipate the offense will make next year with Drew Aller at quarterback as compared to Sean Clifford? I assume there'll be more deep balls, but guess that would depend on there being more reliable people to throw the ball to. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I do, So here, I try very hard to not uh, BS a whole lot. I don't know what Drew Aller is and isn't. And that is going to be the, the million dollar question for next year. And and I just want to I want to say this to Steve, just because he's different than Sean Clifford doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be better right away. And what the offense is going to be is is going to be tailored to him and mitigating his weaknesses. We don't necessarily know what those weaknesses are yet. The coaching staff who's who's seen him now for a full season. They have an idea. So, you know, I know that this is absolutely not the answer you want to hear, but it's going to be predicated on what does Drew Aller do well? Um, for the most part, I would say uh, it's going to, certain elements are going to be there. They're going to feature the running backs because those guys are good. The offensive line presumably is going to take a step in 2022 or sorry, 2023 because you'll have Fashinu back and Tangwall hopefully will be healthy and you'll have, you know, more continuity up front. So I, I think running the ball is going to be a big feature of this offense. And if it's anything like this year, they are going to evolve and grow from what they did this year and be even more dangerous on the ground next season. So it might be less about the quarterback. And then from the quarterback perspective, you're right. It is presumably he's a better deep ball thrower than Sean Clifford. But can he consistently read the defense and find the right receiver? Can he uh, get to the backside of his progressions? Can he throw with accuracy and confidence? Because one thing I have noticed is when he's not confident, his accuracy suffers significantly. Um, so you know, learning more about those things. And I'm not saying that that is an inherently Drew Aller thing. That is very much a quarterback thing. But if you're going to be that next level guy, you need to be able to be consistently accurate all the time. And his mechanics in the pocket, I, I think when pressure comes, we saw those, those broke down a little bit. So being more consistent under pressure, dealing with pressure better. He did very well at the beginning of the season. He didn't do as well in later times that we saw him. So which one is it, right? Is it the guy that was thrown in the fire against Purdue and looked really good for a couple of plays? Or is it the guy at the end of the game against Michigan? And then um, I think it was the Rutgers game where they started throwing cover zero blitzes at him and, and he looked like a freshman facing cover zero. So that information that we'll see in the spring game and we'll see early in the season next year and camp and all that stuff, that's going to determine a lot of what they're going to be. They don't have good receivers across the board right now. So that is the biggest red flag and why Penn State is going after them in the portal so hard because they want to have you need to have as many good options around uh, Drew Aller as possible so that you can hide any weaknesses he has by having good players making plays and making it easier for him. I was going to go a couple different routes with the next question, T. Frank. A couple of them all related. Let's go with this one. Jason from Tyrone says, hey, T. Frank, of the wide receivers currently on the roster who've yet to see much playing time, 
Do you think there's anyone who you consider to be a breakout candidate for next year? Uh, I, I would have liked to see more from Trey Wallace to, to predict that Trey Wallace would have a breakout season, but I, I didn't see that. So that's, that's the issue is he's got above the rim ability. He's got good speed. He flashed at times, but it was not consistent. And when Penn state lost Parker Washington, the team then leaned more heavily on Keandre Lambert Smith. And that necessarily didn't work very well. Um, so that that's the concern is that when you lost Washington, nobody really stepped up. The other guy that I think is a part of the conversation is Amari Evans, but I think he was playing just because he was fast, not necessarily because he's good at being a receiver. He was more, I, I think he was more, um, maybe mature than the other freshman receivers. And they trusted him more in that role. And he had the size to be on the outside and all those things, a bunch of factors lined up to make Amari Evans, that guy, but he is coming from high school quarterback. There is a lot for him to learn at the position. So I wouldn't be comfortable saying that he's a breakout candidate either. And then you got guys that are, you know, total wild cards at this point in their developmental process. Caden Saunders is obviously the guy that everyone wants to see. And that, you know, we're, we're clamoring for this last season. He's got to fight ahead of Liam Clifford on the depth chart, who looked good at the end of last season. And again, was a guy that Penn State seemed to trust to get some snaps in the middle of the year. So not necessarily. No, I I don't see anyone that's a clear breakout candidate uh, based on some film and how they performed down the stretch. And that's why Penn State is, again, going so heavily after transfer portal receivers is because they need to bring in some top line veterans with proven talent to surround Aller. So you don't have young players surrounding a young quarterback. All right, let's hit some Utah questions here T Frank. David from Lancaster says Utah runs a four, two, five defense. How does Penn state's offense match up against that system? Well, they, they go against it in uh, practice a lot. So they're very familiar with it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I, I haven't, I'll be honest. I have not seen enough of the Ben of the Utah defense in, 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 in specifics. I've watched them for several years now, um, but I haven't seen anything specifically with this group yet. Cause I've been focusing on uh, the recruiting class, but um, they are very, very good at, uh, at coverage. This is a group that routinely sends players to the NFL to play in, in defense, the defensive secondaries of the NFL. So, I, it's not good for Penn State. Like they're facing a very good team. Uh, up front is the part that I need to do more work on, and I need to to do a little bit more investigating on. Do they have guys that are going to wreck the game for Penn State up the middle? Because uh, they are athletic and they can chase things down. So running to the outside is not going to be the best of ideas. But is there a way you can attack this defense? Um, you know, in in the counter game in the uh, I don't, I don't think you can pull particularly well. And then it becomes like, are you running inside zone uh, up the middle? And, and this defense is a downhill defense. I imagine that's also part of the problem when you're trying to scheme against these guys is they take away a lot of, you know, the, the core identities of a lot of teams because they're good in some pretty key areas and they're able to play the run with fewer players. That's the whole point of a four, two, five is having the guys up front to play with fewer players. And that's going to be the part where I'm going to go investigate is, okay, do they have a depth of those guys that it's actually going to happen? And that Penn state's not going to get anything on the ground, forcing the ball into the quarterback's hands 
and not having Parker Washington and everything we just said about the receivers, you know, that's going to be a large part of the story for both teams, by the way, for that's the same. That's the same story for for Utah as well. Let's go to another Steve. This one from Columbia, PA, who says Michigan jammed the ball down our throat and beat us up physically. Many are saying Utah is cut out of the same cloth. Can you assure me that as a Penn State fan that we don't witness another physical beatdown up front in the Rose Bowl? Love the show. Merry Christmas, T. Frank and Jim. A great Christmas present would be a Penn State win. I missed who this was from at the beginning. This is Steve in Columbia, who Columbia, PA. He's concerned uh, Utah is going to do to Penn State yeah. what Michigan did. Yeah, yeah, Steve, if you want assurance, if you want absolution, get religion. I don't have that for you. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to be able to give that to you. Penn State, okay, so I understand that kind of like the Illinois game, that that Michigan game damaged the psyche of Penn State fans. Like, it left a mark. I, I get that. But the team, and to quote Manny Diaz, we reserve the right to get better. This defense got better. Um, and again, I'll say again what I said, and I know that it just it doesn't matter because people feel how they feel. Penn State was outcoached. Like they were outflanked and outmaneuvered, and then they got beat up. Um, they the 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 Michigan team did a great job of taking advantage of their opportunity and their advantage that they had from the scheme, and then they took it to Penn State. So that's I don't believe that that's going to be what what Utah does. Utah is going to do what they've done on film all year, which is inside and outside zone run with uh, you know authority and try to beat you physically up front. Penn State can handle that. If you're running, if you're running, especially zone, this defense is really good at attacking zone running. And Abdul Carter is a better football player than he was in week five. So or week six or whatever it was. So this defense is better, and the the um, the the Utah offense runs a lot of concepts that Penn State has been good at countering. Do they come out with a different game plan and run different stuff and make it make me wrong? Yeah, they they've had a month. They have a month to to game plan, but Penn State is a better team overall than they were when they played Michigan. So I don't think that they're going to embarrass Penn State could they still run over the defense and get 170 yards rushing or 150 yards rushing yes but if they have 100 yards or 120 yards passing you know and you're looking at the total of under 400 yards then you're still in a good spot and you have a chance to win the game all right T Frank real fast Seth from Montgomeryville do you think this team will be missing a big one technique at defensive tackle next year? Or do you believe that type of player is not that critical for a Manny Diaz style defense? Both. I think it's important, but I think that they, they are going to miss out on that guy and it will have an effect down the road, but not every single game, just in games like we just talked about. All right. Very good. That's it for quarter number three. Stick around quarter number four. We're going to name our winner. Stay tuned for that. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package, including nonstop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available, too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number four. We are doing our signing day special today. We diverted a little bit from that for our Ask T. Frank segment. T. Frank, we need a winner. Uh, At the buzzer, we're going Seth in Montgomeryville because I think that is quietly a very big part of the story next season. I actually want to talk about this a little bit because um, when you when you many Diaz scheme does not play three and one, you know, they play left and right and and. Sometimes it's hard to tell because they stunt and they twist and they move so much. But at the same time, James Franklin has said, I wish we were bigger up front, which is, you know, you want to be bigger at every position, but I don't think it's, it's, I think that was a very specific insular comment to talk about one or two players at the defensive tackle position. But I also think that it is um, a comment about the general state of his defensive tackle room and the misses they've had of not having that guy that's big and strong and physical and can stop the run and be active and athletic. So PJ Mustafer was that guy and he was a version of that guy this year, but without him, I've been looking at the roster and I don't see a good replacement. You're not getting that in recruiting because you know, for a number of reasons, let alone, to get a guy that can come in and play right away. It has to be like a top 50 player, you know, somebody that has the size and athleticism of a guy that is more mature. And then uh, the transfer portal, that's going to be tough to find somebody there as well. There haven't been a number of quality candidates at that position because they're so coveted that they are featured in their defense or they're in the NFL. So right now that is a deficit and for progress and to, you know, get to a better holistic version of defense it is something size is important it's not it's not the only thing and that's where i think we get this conversation of either or it has to be one or the other it has to be your fast athletic and undersized or you're big um you know it's not the only thing but it is important to have one or two guys that bring those characteristics to the table 
And uh, I that is one concern I have is that they're going to miss on that guy. And then it, they're going to work with what they have and say, like, it's not a big deal. Kind of is a big deal. It's kind of a deal. And and if if they're looking for that guy in the portal and they don't get him, that should tell you something. Let's use that segue then to the class of 23. I see one potential tackle on the whole list of 23 commits, Tyreek Blanding, right? Yep. Uh, and basically in the mold of a Penn State defensive line, defensive tackle prospect, 6'2", 265, good size, um, but a project player, guy that needs to gain a good amount of weight, good quickness, good agility. I think he fits into this class pretty well and a good football player. Um, you know, I think he he fights through contact well on his level and he dominates in a lower level of, uh, I think, New York City football or, or something. He goes to Christ the King Regional. So, you know, not in a, a power conference, not in the Philadelphia Catholic League or anything like that. But, you know, a good football player that shows all of the things necessary to be a division one tackle. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to be 310, you know, kind of going into that conversation, which then brings us back to Mega Barnwell. And what is he? He is uh, Schrodinger's. Uh, I guess he's not Schrodinger's uh, football player because he's not going to be dead on arrival. But like, what is he? Like, he's he's an enigma. He's a Rorschach test. He's some other analogy that makes more sense than my first one. Um, is he not? Is he going to be that big player? Um, they're also going after some JUCO players that uh, could be more. Uh, of an immediate contribution, which is the area where you we have the most hope for this conversation is if they can bring in, uh, I, I believe, I apologize, I don't have his name off the tip of my tongue, but there's a Juco player from Iowa Western, which I believe is where they they um, uh, they got, uh, oh my goodness, I am still coming out of the fog of being sick. I can't remember Jordan. anybody's name. Yes, Jordan Vandenberg. Um, so they are looking at some defensive tackles in the transfer portal and with Juco players. That is, I think, the area of best hope for the Nittany Lions in this cycle. Very good, T. Frank. All right, let's go to uh, the glamour positions. Let's start with quarterback Jack Jackson Smolik from the state of Iowa, also there. And yep. they had a decommit earlier, brought in Smolik. Wasn't really highly rated, and I think part of that was he was out injured his junior season. Now, mm -hmm. after a senior year, he decommitted from Tulane to Penn State. Oh, what are the Nittany Lions getting with him? Uh, Quintel Travis is the name I was trying to think of. I'm sorry. I had to look it up. I had to get it in there. Uh, Juco defensive tackle Quintel Travis is the guy that I was trying to say. Okay. Um, Jackson Smolik. Uh, he's, he's a dead-eyed stone-cold killer from uh, my interaction with him. Uh, an unflappable undersized uh, quarterback that has guts moxie and is very good at the position. So um, I think his play style is actually a little more Sean Clifford than it is uh, than it is Trace McSorley, but you can pick either of those guys and he's kind of a blend of those two in my mind of he, he's a pocket passer who can scramble and who can move and play on the run. But I love a lot of the things in his game. He's very good at playing quarterback. All the things I harp on consistent accuracy. I think he's pretty damn accurate. Um, you know, every quarterback has throws to get away from him, but he has consistent, repeatable mechanics. Um, that is a, a foundation of starting out as a good quarterback. His senior season, they, they, they built the offense around him 
and uh, he operated it very well. So he's running RPO. He's running under center. He's running from the gun. He's running pistol. He's running play action. He's reading five wide in, in spread sets to then dictate the coverage and then throw to the open receiver. So he's doing a lot of the pre-snap stuff and a lot of the post-snap stuff that he's he's going to be asked to do in in college. It was very college-oriented uh, offense that he, he operated. So that tells you that the coaches trusted him enough to do that and that he was successful enough operating it that it worked. And those are all very encouraging signs. Um, but then you come down to uh, he is maybe 6'2", uh, got to 200 pounds this year. So is he going to be prototype of the position? Does he have the strongest arm in the world? I don't think either of those, you can't check yes on those. And that's really why I think he is a three-star and it's not, I don't think he's a, a four-star candidate in the, in the ranking system because there are kind of those ceilings on, on these things. But we've seen three-star quarterbacks lead Penn state to multiple 10 win seasons. So, you know, it's not all about size and strength. It's kind of the same thing about all the other position, positions we've talked about. It's not all about size. It's not all about strength, but those things, when you have them help. And when you have all the ingredients together, you get the, the superstar player. Um, I do think that he has the fundamental building blocks of a starting power five quarterback. And if you get one of those in every class, you're on track. Um, He's not a project player. He's not a guy with a high upside and a boomer bust factor. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. And Penn State got another good quarterback in a cycle where they they got a five star and like a, a really good uh, number two quarterback in the same class. And that scared off some top prospects. So when they were able to bring in a guy that has all of these um, all of these earmarkers of of really good quarterback play, uh, you know, I think that this is a really good uh, player to have in this class. Let's go to the other glamour position running back where they had London Montgomery from Scranton, and he committed quite a while ago, injured his knee, missed his senior season. And with the few numbers that they have at running back, it was probably important for them to get a second running back commit, which they just very recently did with Cameron Wallace. What are they getting with those two running backs? T Frank. So Cameron Wallace is the lower ranked player, and I think he is very good at football. I just, you know, I was watching some of his film this morning before we were, were coming on. Uh, I was started in on it yesterday and um, 5'10", 170. You wonder, OK, is he undersized for the position? Is he going to play undersized? And no, he doesn't. He plays safety in his defense. And this dude hits. He does. He's not afraid of contact. And he has next level speed, 10, 5, 6, 100 meter dash, which I don't know the exact compare. I don't know the correlation to a 40 time, but it's really fast, like next level speed, elusive, agile. The only thing he doesn't have is size. Um, and, you know, Penn State's pretty good at putting weight on players. So I don't know if he gets to 5, 10, 200. I don't I don't know about that, but I do know that he is significantly better than his three star rating. And then, you know, that's he's, he's a very late riser in the process. He didn't get a lot of offers until recently. Penn State was his best offer, but I don't think that's an indication of he's not good. I think that's an indication of he's under recruited. And then London, um, kind of a similar player, 5'10", 185, not the biggest guy in the world. Great speed, great agility, great movement skills, tough between the tackles. Um, my concern is that this is his second injury. 
Uh, he was injured his junior season as well and missed the playoff game against Javen Williams, I believe, with a shoulder. So, you know, injuries aren't as uh, predictable as it seems when a guy is injury prone until they are. So he will not be available because of his torn ACL at the beginning of the season for a good bit of next fall. So whatever happens with Kevon Lee, now they have a guy in uh, in Cameron Wallace to bring into this class that will be available next fall. And I think they got a really good football player. Let's go to wide receiver where, by my count, T. Frank, they got one wide receiver in Carmelo Taylor. Yep. Could be. They got plenty of wide receivers in the room last year. Now they're looking at the transfer portal to get more numbers, but only one wide receiver in the recruiting class. Yeah, there's no doubt that this is a miss in this class. And I'm not saying Carmelo Taylor isn't a good football player. Uh, He's got, again, really, really good speed. 5'11", 155, needs to get bigger and stronger, needs to play, I think, with a little more awareness, um, a little more uh, focus but it is has a lot of the things you're looking for in terms of high end ability, you know, that you can't teach speed, blah, 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 cliche, 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 but they were going after other guys as well. Noah Rogers, Ohio state, Rodney Gallagher went to um, uh, West Virginia. Some of their top targets, they missed on these guys and now they're going into the portal and they're not in a good position uh, as of now, according to our uh, inside guys at blue white illustrated they're not terribly high on the pecking order you're not seeing a lot of good things with caden prather and um uh the the kid from oregon so dante thornton so it's not it's not looking good at receiver but carmelo taylor specifically is a good football player with a lot of potential speed uh another concern i have is that you know kind of like keandre lambert smith i i think he's a slot receiver at this point so who's playing on the outside? But, you know, another talented player with great speed that they can bring into the offense and find a way to make him uh, fit for the whole team. All right. Very good, T. Frank. Unfortunately, that's going to have to be it. If there's any surprises, we'll be able to talk about those next week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us again next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. The Nittany Lions are headed to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, and you can join them. Collegiate Athletic Travel is offering a three-night package, including nonstop charter flight with Southwest Airlines from Harrisburg to L.A. Burbank Airport. Stay at the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Rose Bowl parade tickets and all transfers are included. Here's your chance to attend the Rose Bowl and let Collegiate Athletic Travel do all the work. Land-only package is available, too. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. 
For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.